Why is it so difficult to teach my own children? It feels like my child has become emotionally distant. How can I repair our relationship? Why has my child become so defiant? What makes some children curious and teachable and others resistant? We're going to go over those questions and more today in this episode. I originally planned on creating one episode for the topic of love and attachment, but there is so much to this topic that I had to split it into two episodes. In this first one, I'll focus on the spiritual side of relationships and why it is the foundational principle of parenting. In the next episode, I'll dive deep into the scientific side of attachment theory and what research reveals about the importance of attachment on brain development and socio-emotional well-being. You're listening to Simple Wonders, the podcast for parents who want to raise happy, curious, lifelong learners. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Smith, certified family life educator and mama of three. Join me as we explore simple tools to nurture your child's heart and mind. This all truly started when I was thinking about the Crusades and how there have been rulers, there have been people who have been Christians that have done some really terrible things in the name of religion. And why is that? Yet there was Christ who had the same knowledge of truth and commandments and eternal laws, but he was gentle and kind and loving. Really what it comes down to is in the pre-mortal realm, there was two uh, spirit children that came forth with a plan. Satan, who had a knowledge of eternal laws and wanted to assert his authority by forcing the rest of us to obey those laws. On the other hand, Jesus Christ had a knowledge of those laws, but he loved all those around him. Heavenly Father chose Jesus Christ's plan and be our savior because he knew that authority is nothing without a foundation of love. And to be Christian, to be like Jesus Christ, we need to have both of those. We need to have knowledge of eternal laws and an unconditional love for those around us. Interestingly, social scientists have identified three basic parenting styles and two dynamics that underlie those parenting styles. Warmth and expectations. And you may hear them in different terms like limits or love. But for the rest of the podcast, I'll be referring to them as love and authority. The most successful parenting style, in other words, has the best outcomes, is authoritative. Parents that identify with this style show a lot of love and establish authority, or in other words, have high expectations for their children's behavior. The less successful styles of parenting are authoritarian, which shows very little love and use their authority to force certain behaviors that they deem appropriate. Permissive parents show a lot of love, but don't establish authority and have few expectations for their children's behavior. If we want to be Christ-like parents, we need to nurture loving relationships 
before we can ever establish boundaries and authority as a parent. The moment we value outcomes and obedience more than the person, we resort to punishment and threats, which is more authoritarian, and is equivalent to Satan's style than it is to Jesus Christ's. Finding balance between authority and love is extremely difficult to achieve. And I believe that this is one main purpose of coming to earth, to learn how to balance expectations and love at the same time. Ultimately, our purpose is to become like our heavenly parents. Every moment spent with our children is extremely valuable because it's an opportunity to practice this delicate balance of love and authority. There is no formula to memorize, no cheat sheet to look at when we don't know the answer. It is a matter of becoming and not checking items off a list. So parenting and teaching all begins with unconditional love. Dr. Gordon Neufeld, a psychologist and author, noted that, quote, unconditional parental, parental love is the indispensable nutrient for the child's healthy emotional growth. The first task is to create space in the child's heart for the certainty that she is precisely the person parent, the person the parents want and love. She does not have to do anything or be any different to earn that love. In fact, she cannot do anything since that love cannot be won or lost. It is not conditional. It is just there, regardless of which side the child is acting from, good or bad. The child can be ornery, unpleasant, whiny, uncooperative, and plain rude, and the parent still lets her feel loved. Now, I can honestly say that this is something I struggle with. There was a point in my life when I realized that I was putting value on my child's behavior. All their value as people was on how they behaved. And I struggled to find joy in my, in my relationship with my children because it was all based on their behavior and meeting my expectations. When I realized this, I tearfully asked my husband, how can I love our kids for who they are and not for their achievements or behavior? To me, that is what makes a person who they are, how they act and what they do. So how can I love them despite that? And my husband wisely replied, you can't. That kind of love is a gift. After pondering that for a while, I realized that as parents, we have been endowed with the beginnings of love, an instinctual love, but we don't automatically love our children unconditionally. Heavenly Father created us with the instincts to protect and care for our children, but ultimately the pure love of Christ is a gift, a gift that is given to those who truly desire it above all else, a gift that is essential to the finest of the fine arts, teaching. Without unconditional love, the power to discipline and teach our children is ineffective. If we think we can teach our children solely based on instinctual love, we will fail. And I can say this from personal experience. While many parenting books focus on fixing behavior, as disciples of Christ, our number one priority should be nurturing relationships before correcting behavior. So how does love, or lack of it, affect teaching and learning? And how has Jesus Christ taught us to nurture loving relationships? Well, it all begins in the heart. And when I say heart, I mean the desires, 
affections, and emotions of a person. The things that cannot be measured and quantified, but influence everything we do. For years, I've read the scriptures and heard the term hard-heartedness, but I didn't understand the significance for parenting until I read Dr. Gordon Neufeld's book, Hold On To Your Kids. In his book, he relates many experiences of working with hardened youth in juvenile detention centers. These youth rarely showed emotions like empathy, sorrow, guilt, love, and humility. He said that these young men and women lost their tender hearts through years of criticism, rejection, disappointment, and hate. Their once tender hearts that were capable of feeling these emotions were hardened to reduce the pain they felt on a daily basis. As a result, they struggled to function in many areas of life. In the scriptures, these are the words that are used to describe people with hard hearts. Rebellious, revengeful, prideful, offended, contentious, angry, resentful, apathetic, and blaming. The opposite of these words are used to describe a soft or tender heart. Forgiving, humble, peacemaker, happy, empathetic, responsible, and curious or interested. Unconditional love nurtures a tender heart, while the lack of love hardens it. Although we don't have complete control over the condition of someone's heart, there are still a lot of things that we can do or not do that will harden or soften it. So Jesus Christ, being the master teacher and having a pure love uh, for all those around him, is our best example of loving our children and maintaining a tender heart. So let's look at five ways that we can do this. First, invite rest. Jesus invited all people to, quote, come unto me, all that ye labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. One way that Jesus offers rest is by serving and allowing us to be dependent on him. For example, after dinner with his disciples, Christ picked up a bowl of water and a towel and washed his disciples' feet. He said, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. To follow Christ's example, we show our children that we love them by serving them. Then This doesn't mean we do everything for them. It means being sensitive to their needs, and sometimes this means serving them. We may think Jesus had more important things to do than to wash people's dirty feet, but the principle he taught was that nurturing relationships is the most important thing we should be doing, and to do that we serve others. When we do something for our children that they can do for themselves, we are saying, I know you can do this, but I want to do it for you to show you how much you mean to me. In American culture, we put a lot of priority on independence, to say the least. We want our children to be responsible, hardworking, and resourceful. The word dependence has a negative connotation, but dependence is actually vital for maturation. 
A person must feel free to be completely dependent before they are capable of developing independence. However, parents cannot push children to become independent before they're ready. It is something that develops naturally with time and experience. It may seem counterintuitive, but the more we push our children to be independent before they're ready, the more clingy and dependent they will become. And um, on the opposite side, if the more we allow our children to feel dependent when they need it, the more independent they will become as a result. Dr. Gordon Newfeld said, A master teacher, rather than pushing pupils toward independence, supplies them instead with generous offerings of assistance. A master teacher wants her students to think for themselves, but knows the students cannot get there if she resists their dependence or chastises them for lacking maturity. Her students are free to lean on her without any sense of shame for their neediness. It is an eternal truth that when we feel loved, we can rest. And only when we feel at rest are we free to learn and grow. When children feel that their parents' love is is conditional on behavior or feel unsure of their parents' affection, it will come out in negative clinging behavior and a difficulty to focus and learn. And when children feel they can't depend on parents for help, they are usually more timid, anxious, and less likely to attempt tasks that are above their skill level. Second, do not revile or condemn. When the Pharisees brought Jesus a woman caught in adultery, Jesus did not say to her, This is your fault. You broke the commandment. Or, You know what the consequences were when you made this choice. He simply said, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He did not condemn her. He did not give her a long sermon about the law of chastity. He showed her that he loved her as a person and showed faith in her ability to be better. When our children make the wrong choice, we should not be the first person waiting to cast stones and condemn them. We should be down at their level, looking them in the eye and showing them our unconditional love, followed quickly by encouraging them to go and be a better person than they were before. There are laws and commandments that must be obeyed, but when those laws are broken, we can come alongside our child in their guilt, shame, and sorrow and show that they are loved. They need to know that their worth is not tied to their choices and we have faith in their ability to be better. Another relationship lesson we can learn from Christ is not to revile against our children. To revile is to criticize in an abusive or angrily insulting manner. Another relationship lesson we can learn from Christ is to not revile against our children. Reviling is similar to condemning, except that it means to criticize in an abusive or angrily insulting manner. This can be a challenge for parents, especially if you believe that children should be punished for reviling against authority. I believe there is a misconception among parents that if our children in their frustration and anger say disrespectful things, that it is our duty to fight back and punish them for immediately. However, the Savior has given us an example to ignore the reviling, and Peter clearly states that we are to follow it. 
Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth? Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again? When he suffered, he threateneth not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Remember, to discipline means to teach and lead by example, not to argue, condemn, revile, or punish. Third, connect with a person before correcting them. When someone is angry and frustrated, they are not teachable. Likewise, when we argue, force apologies, or lecture, our child's heart begins to harden. When we revile against our children, we are actually robbing them of an opportunity to comprehend their mistake, feel remorse, and have a desire to make amends. Many times, our children actually know what they are doing is wrong, but lack the reasoning capabilities to act on what they know to be right in the moment. When we start to lecture or attempt to teach a lesson in the heat of the moment, they will most likely justify their behavior, blame others, and feel no remorse. Whether it's nature or nurture, criticizing, reviling, and condemning feels like the most natural thing to do when our children misbehave, but this only hardens their heart. Instead, we should focus on reconnecting with our child before correcting them. Ensuring that they know they are still loved and valued will maintain a tender heart, one that will be open to listening to correction later on. This kind of parenting is so difficult. It goes against the natural man who wants to punish, seek revenge, and mend wounded pride. Some days I feel like I ran a marathon from all the energy it took to maintain self-control in the heated moments that I feel like I encounter every few minutes. And I've realized that a lot of my previous parenting and some of the parenting that I still do is actually just me releasing steam. It wasn't intentional or loving. I am parenting based on what makes me feel good after things don't go my way and my pride was wounded. It's just so important to do some self-reflection and think about why am I punishing? Why am I arguing? Why am I threatening my child? Is it because I know that this will be effective or does it just feel good because I'm angry? As parents, we were first commanded to love our children and then teach them. We were never commanded to judge our children's actions and then punish them accordingly. That responsibility is left to only one person, Jesus Christ. Fourth, avoid punishment. Gordon Neufeld said that imposed sanctions, artificial consequences, and the withdrawal of privileges are self-defeating. Punishment creates an adversarial relationship and incurs emotional hardening. When a person loves someone or something, they open their hearts and become vulnerable. Children are especially good at opening their hearts and loving completely. Common parenting discipline tactics are based on taking advantage of this vulnerability through timeouts and grounding and taking things away. And these may not seem like terrible ways to correct behavior, but the long-term result can actually be devastating. When a child is punished by being separated from a parent, 
The child is hurt, feels rejected, and must find a way to cope with the pain. Interestingly, a lot of misbehavior is a cry for help or telling the parent, I really need your attention. I need your your love right now. If the child is grounded from something they really love, like their bike or playing soccer, they learn not to feel so deeply for these things as a way to cope with the hurt and vulnerability of having them taken away. Not to mention the resentment they feel for the parent that is choosing to take away these beloved items. The more a person is forced to feel this indifference, um, to close their heart to vulnerability, the more hardened their heart becomes and the less vulnerable they become. Now you're probably thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. The way you're describing this sounds really like permissive parenting where they're not setting boundaries. They don't have any way of, of holding children accountable for their behavior. And we're going to go over authority and setting boundaries in a future episode. Just know that I'm talking about arbitrary punishments and focusing on behavior instead of focusing on the root cause or the symptom of the behavior. For example, if the child is is just yelling for help, yelling for connection by misbehaving, we can look at that and say, oh, you know what? There's a new baby in the family. I haven't spent time with my three-year-old and they're breaking things. They're being very naughty. This is a cry for help. And by putting them in timeout and giving them the silent treatment or refusing to give them attention is only going to make their behavior worse. So just keep that in mind. For a future episode, we are going to talk about setting boundaries and not dealing out arbitrary punishments. Finally, we need to mourn with those that mourn. And as adults, I think we tend to look at what children are mourning over, the things that break their hearts and make them so sad. We look at them as trivial. We think they're not important. And we tell children that, oh, that's not a big deal. You don't need to cry over that. But what example did Jesus give us? Well, when Mary and Martha were crying and weeping over their brother's death, to Jesus, this could be, could be trivial because he knows that they will see their brother again, that his spirit is not gone. He may have even known, I'm going to bring him back to life. He didn't tell them that. He didn't trivialize uh, what they were mourning over. Instead, he wept with them. He came alongside them and mourned with them. He showed them that where they were loved and understood. Most of the time, people know that they shouldn't be, but we can't help how we feel. When children feel safe to show vulnerability, they are more able to accept responsibility for their mistakes, ask questions, love deeply, and show an interest in learning. A tender heart is needed for a person to be teachable. Christ admonished us adults to become like little children for many reasons. But one reason I believe is that children have tender hearts. They are willing to make mistakes, take chances and ask questions and love deeply. Our job is to maintain their tender hearts by validating their emotions, making our love unconditional, relying on natural consequences instead of arbitrary punishments, 
and holding back our condemnation. Maintaining a tender heart does not mean giving into demands. It does not mean that we dissolve rules that might cause them frustration. And it certainly does not mean letting our children grow up in ignorance. Maintaining a tender heart means finding a balance between expectations and love. In other words, imposing limits, setting high expectations, and then showing love and understanding if and when our children fail to meet those expectations, and then encouraging them to do better. When we blame and resent our children, we have a hard heart. And when we try to discipline with a hard heart, we push our children into blaming and resenting us as well, hardening their heart. In the book, Leadership and Self-Deception, this is called being in the box. And when we are in the box and we blame and resent others, then it kind of pushes them into being in their own box and everyone being in their own box just hardens their hearts and makes it almost impossible to get things done. So our feelings towards our children make all the difference when we talk to and discipline them. When there is a loss in connection, whether that is physical or emotional, it is rarely the child's fault. As the mature adult in the relationship, it is your responsibility to maintain a healthy connection with your child if you expect to parent them. Your behavior towards your child will either nurture the relationship and keep their heart tender or place a wedge between you and harden their heart. If we want our children to learn, to progress, and to develop character, then maintaining a tender heart in ourselves and our child is essential. You can find this episode's show notes, as well as more information about this topic on our website, www.simplewonders.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and or rating the podcast, or even better, share it with friends or family. If you'd like to further support our work here, you can donate by clicking the link in our profile. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to discuss our next topic. Until then, go out and work some wonders. Wonders.